everybody, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast. We are here again at Tinker's Tavern as we are on the first Monday of every month. And tonight we have my sister, Sarah, and our father, the man, the myth, the legend, Harry Larry. Um, And hopefully Carl will be able to join us as well, but he's having some internet troubles at the moment. And we're going to just get right into it. And I'm going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, and ask him what's been on his geek agenda lately. Oh, I forgot to think about this. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) I finished my Just Quest mini-zine. It's a uh, uh, fantasy world with elves and dwarves, but the rules are like wizards and heroes. So it's kind of moving wizards and heroes a little bit closer to early D&D experience. Um and not at all like 5e and that's that's been one of my geek things my other geek thing is that i have set up my own server for my mix remix radio station i showed it to megan it's sitting here right next to my desktop i'm looking at it right now and uh um, i'm also serving delta boogie on it and I've been working on uh, Delta Boogie Radio, too, so I've been working on all my different internet radio stations. So that's my geeky week. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about your setup, Dad, was the the like hot-swap keyboard command between the two systems to where you could test and edit, just swap them back and forth real quick like that. Yeah, and the really cool thing about it is that no FTP. I'm right on my server editing live Uh, living dangerously (laughs) which yeah which i i have learned to hate live editing um but (laughs) power to you (laughs) well if you're if you use an ftp to test you're going to ftp it up and then you're still living just as dangerously um so yeah yeah. you learn to make backups you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right sarah how about you Oh, she just went mute. <laughs> <laughs> there she's back. This just came into the room dancing, and I wanted to make sure she didn't eat something. <laughs> she just came into the room dancing because okay. that's what she does. That's how. <laughs> um, <laughs> difficult? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I am a. Oh, my goodness. Can y'all hear all of the background noise happening right now? A little bit. A little bit, yep. There it is. (laughs) That's okay. We don't care. Oh, goodness. Uh, So so Devin's working on a project where he's he's trying to do some more fermenting stuff, and I think she's in there trying to get some of his fermenting stuff. So... That, for, that's for what for that is. For fermenting stuff. Yes. Is fermenting anything like DMing? <laughs> no. <laughs> but but that's what that's what they're geeking out about or he's geeking out about is there are a geek agenda. I don't know. Golly. <laughs> We're professionals, guys. <laughs> We're not. Um so for me, I am a planner, so I've been thinking about what my 2020 plans are going to be, like challenges for some of the different crafting stuff I do, because I like to have 
that kind of stuff going on and um, just setting goals and all of that stuff. And now that it's December, I feel like it's time to start planning for, for the new year. And that's how I I do stuff. So um, that's really been what, what I've been focusing on the last week or so. So you're working on your 2020 vision. Sure. Sounds right. <laughs> Uh, that we got a whole year of old. we're gonna a whole year of these right. jokes, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mine brief because if you haven't noticed, my voice is trying to go out on me. But um, I uh, discovered that there's a new Half Life game coming out, which is very exciting. But it also happens to be VR only, which is expensive. So I've already like spent all this time specking out a new PC build and like planning out which VR headset I want to go with and all of this stuff and fantasizing about this future in which I'm going to be able to afford all of this. But that's mainly what I've been uh, doing on my geek agenda is I've just been browsing PC parts as you do. All right. <laughs> I remember your last you? your last build. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty you good. You put all the, the pieces together. The motherboard crapped out at me at some point. Yeah. <laughs> the motherboard crapped out at some point, but that's because I went cheap on the motherboard. I've since learned to maybe go a little bit more expensive on the motherboard because that's not a part so that I, I enjoy crapping out. <laughs> I remember that on on our old related to geeks podcast, you talking about building that computer. That was mm. one of your geeking out segments. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Look at that circle we've <laughs> created. So lovely. <laughs> All right, oh. Carl. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hey, we're still in our first segment. Are you ready to talk about your geek agenda? <laughs> Get <Yeah>. right into there. <laughs> I am ready to talk about my geek agenda. Uh, remind me what that entails. Something you're excited about. A geek thing that I am excited about is, in fact, <laughs> a Lord of the Rings. Now, not just Lord of the Rings. I am excited about Lord of the Rings. It's really... Um, I guess that's my hot take. Okay, this, <laughs> that's always this, your geek agenda. <laughs> there's this, there's this lesser-known fantasy novel called Lord of the Rings that you probably haven't heard of, uh, but it's really good. You should check it out. Uh, but specifically, um, there is an audiobook of Lord of the Rings that has been produced by a fan, and it's totally fan made and quite illegal. <laughs> his name. Go on. <laughs> his name. His name is Phil DeGrash. I think that's right. That sounds right. Sounds right. Phil DeGrash. Uh, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Phil. This is this is a slight variation. Phil Dragash. <laughs> not Are you sure that's not just a handle? <laughs> I mean, it might be, but like, like the the first part of dragon and the the entirety of ash. Drag ash. Yeah. Not and to be confused. Sounds like something a bad car does. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with something an old station wagon from 1962 does. Um, so, 
the point being, this audiobook, uh, he took. Uh, okay, so if you are like me, like me, somebody who found the aesthetics and the um, hmm, the the performances and the music of the movie very wonderful, but had uh, deep, deep problems with the narrative construction therein. Uh, if you, if you felt that way, then this uh, audiobook is incredibly cathartic because what this person has done is he has mimicked many of the performances from those films. He has used music from those films, but it goes deeper than that. He's reached out to other adaptations and and pulled inspiration from them. There was a BBC radio play that was fantastic, uh, but had some problems as well. Um, and he's used inspiration from the best bits of that, uh, as well as uh, you you will hear, mu- hear music in it from um, An Evening at Rivendell, which is a fantastic music compilation of Lord of the Rings music. So it's kind of just this, uh, you know, this construction, this this Frankenstein's monster of Lord of the Ring adaptations. I mean, all the way to this was before the Hobbit films that this was first put together, but like there's a part in Lord of the Rings where they sing a song uh, that it's said to be in the same tune as the dwarf song from The Hobbit that the dwarf sang before Bilbo went on his adventure. And the, the hobbits wrote and sing the song for Frodo before they go on their adventure. And they actually mimic the tune and and uh, uh, the tone from the old 1977 made-for-TV Hobbit. Uh, so, I mean, it's just pulling from everywhere. And it's almost like I'm enjoying it less as art because it's it's imitation. It's, it, you know, it's all these takes that uh, he is imitating. But at the same time, it's just the devotion, the work of love that is to make this this one perfect adaptation. This is this is the one adaptation to rule them all. Uh, yeah. So it's fantastic. And it's a mashup. Yeah, it is kind of a mashup. It is kind of like, uh, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely pulling from everywhere he can uh, to uh, create this wonderful thing that I have just uh, been enjoying so well. And I know the answer to this, so I'm going to ask the same question I asked you before. And he's reading the entire text of the trilogy. It is unabridged. Just that. Just that is an enormous project. Right. Right, yeah, just just reading. Uh, I mean, if it was just read, but it's not. It's acted. It's there's sound effects. There's music. There's if they're outside in the forest, you hear birds chirping away. You know, I mean, it's it's really just a labor of 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 extreme. Uh, uh, as somebody who does quite a bit of audio editing, like it's just a lot of work that this person has put into this. I'm impressed. I was mostly just thinking during the first part of that how we were a pretty tame podcast and then Carl joined. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything like... <laughs> no, you were just way more energetic than the rest oh, of yeah. us are right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Okay. I thought you were saying I was being a, a, a naughty boy, but I'm not being a naughty boy. No. <laughs> no, there was there was a lot of places you could have gone with Drag Ash and you went actually a pretty tame place. I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Courtney, do you have a microphone? Courtney, <laughs> Courtney is just listening, I believe. She's listening. Uh, She's being uh, Vivian. <laughs> yes. 
She can tell. Yeah, I'm just listening. I'm oh, I see you have at the same time. She's working and listening. Okay. Okay. No. Doesn't she right. want to do a, a geek agenda? <laughs> she's, she's working. <laughs> okay. She's got stuff to do. I'm important. <laughs> All right. So our topic for this month, I believe, is role-playing memories. Um which could go all kinds of places, and I'm interested to see where they go. <laughs> but uh, I guess what I have to add right at the front end, um, while my voice is still holding strong right now, is my some of my favorite role-playing memories kind of involve breaking the game a little bit. That's my favorite way to role-play. Um, one of which was in a campaign that Sarah ran. She ran a one-off of DCC, um, where there was lots of opportunities for combat, lots of opportunities for encounters, and somehow our party made it through the entire campaign without ever initiating any combat with anything, uh, which we were pretty proud of. We were excited about that. So that was a fond memory of breaking the game, but I think my favorite memory of breaking a game is I played a game of Dread at uh, Free RPG Day this year and we had four hours allotted a four hour time slot to play through this campaign and I played a very driven individual who was very goal oriented and always kind of went to the next task as fast as he could uh, and we kind of sped run that campaign in under two hours uh, which was a lot of fun <laughs> 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 so those are just a couple that stood out to me when I was thinking earlier I just enjoy kind of breaking a campaign or playing it very differently than what's the norm the norm <clears throat> I didn't know, yeah. know norm played yeah. D&D yeah <laughs> and the norm doesn't really exist if you're somebody who like Sarah does a lot of one offs that are the same modular mod, bleh, yeah sure module <laughs> um, uh, if you do a lot of one offs like that then um you get to experience that same campaign with a bunch of different players and a bunch of different, you know, ways of play and get to see just how, how, how various they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I do tend to run, run the same stuff over and over again. And yeah, it totally depends on your table and what they want from the game and, and what way they achieve. I'm going to go back to the beginning. I'm going to I'm going to talk about the first time I ever played Dungeons and Dragons. So this is not the beginning of of everybody's memories of D&D, but the beginning of mine. Um, so uh, and I'm going to do this one and then I'm going to keep mum for a bit and I'll do another one later. Um, but uh, uh, keep mum. That's that's my new hip slang that I, I adopted. Um, so the first time that we ever played Dungeons and Dragons. It was um, around a, a big wooden kitchen table uh, at, uh, at, at, at at our old, old, old house uh, years and years and years ago. And um, we were creating characters, and it was Advanced D&D 2nd Edition that we, we used to create these characters. Uh, and I believe it, the, the, the family that was there was me, Kier, and Dad. And I don't believe any of the other family was there. We had some friends there. Um, 
and they were uh, teaching us the game and we created them characters and we met some bandits and, and rolled some dice and fought some bandits. Uh, but that was pretty much it. And, uh, 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 that's when I created Bones. That was my character. He was a Viking warrior. His name was Bones. Uh, and Kier created Jiven, an elven uh, warrior. And uh, we went home with those characters, and we still wanted to play. And I remember Dad ran us through this tiny little adventure. But there was, as opposed to like, oh, some bandits jump out and you fight them, there was, uh, it was exploration kind of based. And we, I remember we were in a small room. I think there was a um, so a fountain or something in the room, but there was a small crawl space that we'd have to crawl through to get to the next area. And as we were crawling, we came face to face with a giant slug or possibly a snail. I don't know if it had its its shell or not. I don't know. But we, we fought this thing. And, and uh, I mean, I vividly remember this. And it's just the, the simplest stuff. You know, I mean, it's just like you're in a room. There's a hole. You crawl through it. You fight. Um, but it, it left such an imprint. And, I mean, to me, that alone uh, speaks to the power of, of what these games have inside them. Is that you remember these moments uh, viscerally, and they're, they're they're little moments, but you remember them like uh, like you were there. I mean, way more differently than you remember scenes from a movie or scenes from a book. It's a very first hand uh, experience that you're having. I would agree with that. It was a slug. It was a slug. <laughs> yeah. No, no, uh, no snail shell. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you're I right. remember I think the picture. Oh, it was based off of a picture. Yeah, there was a picture probably in the AD and D, one of the mm-hmm. AD and D books we had. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now I gotta go find the picture. <laughs> yeah, I had a very different first experience with D and D than I would say probably most people. In that. I began on a BBS playing with um, Dad had a friend who wanted to run a game and I believe we started with Second Ed too is that right Dad do you know yeah yeah so I think it was right about the time that Second Ed came out Mm -hmm. and and he was excited to run it so we set up a thread on our local BBS and we played it wasn't very long long lived but that was my introduction was through a text chat on a bbs and it definitely speaks of my background a lot (laughs) and 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 it worked for me at the time and then obviously later on we had a lot of at the table sessions mainly with family and and a few family friends and yeah bones uh, Bones was actually named after a BBS door game. There was a BBS door okay. game you to play called Bones, in which you fought a bunch of different skeletons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've looked for it. Like, uh, you know, giant internet lists of BBS door games that have never been able to find it. But uh, I remember it. Uh, you could you could choose what floor of the dungeon you would go to. So you could say, I'm going to go to floor 74 uh, and uh, just get walloped by these crazy. But everything was <laughs> everything was a skeleton. So like on 70th floor, they were like flaming dragon skeletons or something like that, as opposed to just like weak old nothing skeletons. So you're saying I should have named my character Trade Dwarves then, right? 
<laughs> for those who, who for those who do not know what a BBS is, a BBS was done over landlines with modems, and it wasn't like playing on Discord at all. It was one person on the computer at a time, or two at most, if someone was sitting at the console. And uh, um, so the game was relatively slow. Someone would post something, and then who knows when someone else would log on and post something else, and who knows when. So over the period of several weeks, you built up this text. And it wasn't really like having combat and rolling. It was more like... Um, collaborative fiction it would be akin to playing over a message board today which people do yeah only message boards yeah message boards (laughs) you can have multiple people on at one time and it's like they're in chat but bbs chat what that really meant was you got on and you typed something and then you logged off and someone else logged on Mm -hmm. sometime later and they typed something and then they got off and someone else logged on something. And there, there could only be, the way the BBS that we used was, there was only one line in, so there could only ever be one person connected at mm-hmm. any given time. There were multi-user BBSs, but they had to have multiple phone lines, which meant multiple phone bills. So mm-hmm. that was out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> that honestly sounds preferable to me that one of the time, because I can't tell you how many times when I was doing like the message board role playing where I would type out my next post and it was brilliant. And then somebody would post before me and just ruin my entire post and I'd have to rewrite <laughs> it. And it was very frustrating. <laughs> I, was like, I could see that being a problem because I've seen other games in in that kind of situation where everything gets derailed uh, because people are typing at the same time. One of the interesting uh, interesting things about chatting, text chatting on the internet, whether on a message board or in Discord, something like that, uh, um, is that you usually have two threads going and you're answering two questions back and they're, you know, so you, it all gets staggered. You know, because nobody wants to wait to type. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you type something, then while they're typing, you're typing, and then they're answering the, your old question, and they hadn't even read your new one yet. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Much but like yeah, that conversation. Was that was mine. <laughs> People are just waiting for their turn to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. I cut off Sarah, who was waiting for her turn to talk. I was just going to say that that was my introduction to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> was was the slowest game possible ever, <laughs> but you know, obviously, I mean, I, I continued to play mm. after that ended. Well, believe it or not, I do not remember the first time I played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> You're destroying my whole premise. <laughs> she was probably two years old. okay that's fair that's fair my first experience with dungeons and dragons was unusual because i walked into a tuesday night campaign and we played religiously every tuesday night there was a fellow who drove a liquor truck and he was up in jonesboro every tuesday night and when he came to town we all got together and played dungeons and dragons and um so I kind of got uh, spoiled right at the first because a weekly campaign is like heaven for a regular player. 
um, and we were very regular and went to uh, mostly Dungeons and Dragons, although I think we did play Call of Cthulhu or some game like that that where people went crazy for a few weeks, then back to Dungeons and Dragons. And we even changed locations and kept the campaign going. So um, uh, that was really great. And uh, I really got to really love the game with that uh, wonderful kickoff of actually uh, being in a regularly playing weekly campaign. I feel like I still haven't really experienced that. Like, not not to the degree that I feel like a lot of the family has, of just having a really regularly running D&D game for an extended period of time. I've had several failed attempts. It's something I really missed about D&D, because obviously um, when Devin and I first got married, we were in a really long-running campaign with Kier and Carl and some other friends and family, and um, I miss that. I miss that, getting together every Friday night and and leveling up your characters and, and doing that kind of fun thing. Um, it was easier to do back then for whatever reason. Because you all lived in the same town, or at least the same general yeah. geographic area. <laughs> I mean, I know that's the part of it. I know that Kier has regular, like, multiple regular running campaigns still to this day. And I don't know that he's had much of a time where he hasn't had that in his life. It's, which uh, I'm super jealous of. <laughs> it's a little bit different game when you're in a long-running campaign than when you're playing one-offs. You're more uh, protective of your character, and there's a little more long-term development going on. I remember um, uh, one of the games that uh, campaigns that Vivian ran. We ended up buying fortresses. We didn't actually build a castle, but man, we had a little town. You know, I mean, we were rich. Even <laughs> hmm. that, when Mom was running, that ran. I played in that for a while. I wasn't able to be there every every time y'all played because I was in school and a lot of times that took precedence. But, but yeah, I was even there. I played a character for quite a while back in the day. And now Carl is bringing those D&D memories alive with Family Game. Here's Aramis and here's Kendrick and all those characters that were so alive to us back then and that uh, we built out of nothing and now they're back so I have another here's here's another uh, RPG memory and this one is far more recent uh, but it is um, uh, maybe my favorite maybe my favorite RPG memory ever uh, it involves Courtney uh, Courtney uh, and I were uh, at some friend's house and we were doing um, it was the playtest of 5th edition that's the rule set we were using though while I was running it I realized I shifted unconsciously to just running castles and crusades um, because they're pretty similar especially when 5th uh, edition was in its playtest phase uh, but it was it was one of the first moments even though Courtney had played uh, various RPGs before that. It was one of the first moments where I, I, I saw the level of enjoyment of the game, um, uh, kind of burst out of her. And there was this moment of, of, uh, 
conflict between a player character and a Medusa. And this Medusa was trying to turn the player character into stone and they were grappling. They were fighting and wrestling each other. And the Medusa was trying to force uh, the player character to gaze upon her. And so um, the player said, I'm going to gouge her eyes out so I don't have to gaze upon her. Um, well, I said, let's do an opposed roll. And they, I rolled my d20 and the player rolled their d20 and uh, the dice fell and the player rolled a 20 and I rolled a one. And I mean, the room erupted. I mean, it was just a huge celebration. And, and I remember Courtney like jumping like in the air with their arms raised, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, seeing it viscerally affect uh, all these people, but especially Courtney, who obviously, uh, you know, I'm very fond of. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> it was it was very wonderful, and I, I I I you know cherish that moment. Cherish is the word I use to describe Courtney jumping into the air with her arms held up. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> uh, I wrote a song about that. So, <laughs> so I think one of my favorite games that I played, probably my favorite game, and there's lots of little memories tied to this game, is the, the, the zombie one-off that we did that Carl ran at the end of one of our kind of um, in-home conventions way before we started like public conventions uh, and it was at the very end of the night and there was a handful of people still hanging out we started it pretty darn late I can't remember I just remember Kier was like ready to go to bed and had laid down on the couch next to where we were playing ready to go to sleep and after about like 10 minutes of us you know setting up the game and starting it he was just like no I'm playing and got up and uh got a character sheet and played through the entire game but it just had some of the best uh character moments that i have ever experienced and especially for a one-off to have so little time and feel like we built those characters up so fast um there was a lot of just really interesting things that happened i loved my character from that game i played um, an old lady who I think was supposed to be much nicer in concept from the character sheet that I got than she ended up being because I made some pretty selfish decisions in the very first few minutes of the game and completely rewrote that character. Um, but uh, she she had a dog uh, companion um, and probably the most tragic thing that could ever happen is that my dog companion died in the middle of that campaign um and oh my gosh is that an emotional like i still like cry for that dog a little bit i think because it was just such an emotional moment uh and it was just like a couple of hours uh at the end of a very long day of gaming uh but like not only is 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 role playing such an experience that you get attached in your characters and swept up in the moment, but you get uh, attached to your familiars for sure. And I was mm -hmm. in that moment. <laughs> it's 
Sorry about your dog. <laughs> Carl killed my dog, guys. <laughs> uh, so that was that was the pre-Arkansas RPG Con that I think we've even mentioned on the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, Evercon. And Evercon kind of grew out of uh, Sarah uh, having an idea and me stealing the idea and all that stuff. We talked about all about that. But... Um, that game, uh, I just made a rule set real quick that I, I think I called Quick Six, even though I think that name's been taken somewhere else. Um, and so death came really easily in that game. Uh, but I don't think we had a whole lot of character death, even though uh, the stakes were very high a lot of the time. Uh, but um, it was one of those things that because we were kind of leaning so heavily on tropes uh it, it made the characters kind of coalesce really quickly um uh because it was it was stereotypes like the sassy waitress and the uh even though uh, uh, it, uh megan made her more sassy than than at first attended um uh and there were characters that um like the total bum was one of the characters and there was a, a physical uh, 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 trainer type peppy go character uh, that was being played. And so there was this, a whole lot of uh, stereotypes in that game, which I think really works for a, a zombie game, but also really works for a, a role playing game. When you have stereotypes that you're leaning into, those characters build in the narrative really quickly. Yeah, you don't have as much time trying to figure out the character, and you can just play the character, and that's mm -hmm. something like... I remember my very first decision is we, we approached some kind of abandoned building, and a lot of the people were, like, going around the back to, to sweep the perimeter and, and to, like, get maybe steer some zombies away or something like that basically clear an opening for us to get into the building and so everybody was doing all the footwork with the zombies and i just kind of strut on through and went straight into the building um so <laughs> that was that was my very first decision was to basically be like all right well they they seem to have everything under control i'm gonna go loot mm -hmm. <sighs> that was the second time that i'd ran it at evercon uh, the first RPG I ran was actually Savage Worlds, which was uh, a pulp game, Indiana Jones style, a uh, very traditional pulp game that felt I was running off a module and it was very linear. It was very railroaded. Um, and I, I disliked that. And this was me coming back to the hobby a little bit, too. Um, you know, dipping my toes back into RPGs and kind of really stretching the form and testing it out and seeing what I wanted to do with it. And, uh, uh, mostly what I want to do with it is allow as much agency as humanly possible to the player characters. And I think that's one thing in the favor of that zombie game is there was really as much agency as you could want. And it's really easy in a modern setting to do that because if you need a map off the cuff, you can get one, uh, you know, because it's just modern earth. You can go to, you know, Google maps and find anything you need. I think with that that type of modern setting, it makes it easier for the players to just understand everything from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So that helps. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I've leaned into such a a, a tropey fantasy game now. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm usually playing very uh, big g g fantasy Dungeons and Dragons stereotypes, mm -hmm. um, almost like the generic fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very much like 
uh, I'm I'm constantly joking and winking at the camera, as it were, uh, <laughs> um, about uh, the fantasy milieu that we are all. Is that the right way to pronounce that? I'm not sure it is, but that's okay. Uh, that we're all kind of well versed in, and I think that helps make the game communicate a little bit easier. Well, I have a game memory. I think it was two days ago. I was sitting around a table, and Carl was the DMer, and <laughs> we had an excellent player at the game who happens to be six years old. And <laughs> this is where Carl was talking about giving the players agency. And uh, um, so we were just starting up, and what are you looking for? I'm looking for a magic item. Well, describe the magic item. And Connor came up with this idea for this magic item. And it was the orb of power. And it was a globe, a globe of the planet, a map. And all you had to do was touch your finger to it, and you would be teleported to that place. What a great magic item. You know, and the player brought it in. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have to work and study for six months to come up with this great idea. The player brought it right to the table. We still yeah, hadn't got it. We're still looking <laughs> for it. <laughs> we got close. Yeah. Um, uh, that's something that I've been doing uh, every once in a while with the homeschool game group that I, I game with. I'll say, what is it that your character is after in this world that we're experiencing and that way I can get them invested in a goal mm -hmm. pretty early on and also meter what it is they're after and, and introduce it at an appropriate time you know if somebody's after a magic sword that can come pretty early but if somebody's after the globe of power that might take a little bit more work uh, just depends you know on how powerful the magic item they concoct is I watched um Follow Me and Die, who DM'd a game at the Gygax house and got on YouTube with it. And at the start of his game, he went around the table and uh, what's one item that you've won in a recent quest that you've acquired in a, or something like that. And he went around the table a couple times with different questions for the players, um, sometimes just describing the area. So they were actually building up the little area they were in. And then one of the guys told about some weapon that he had got in a recent quest and, and the DM, uh, follow me and die, he said, write it down. Okay, so he added it to his equipment list because he remembered it from a recent quest. And uh, I just thought that was uh, so enabling. And also, you know, you're used to people going, oh, let's go around the table and describe our character. And that gets kind of old, but he had specific questions he'd go around the table with and it, uh, and it helped build the starting point of the game. I thought that was such a cool idea. <laughs> Follow Me and Die is uh, Larry Hamilton's uh, podcast. So I wanted to, to shout that out. That's also available on Anchor. Yeah, and that's his handle on uh, Gamer Plus. So that's why I know him as Follow Me and Die. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that uh, I've only played Dread a, a couple of times, but I do like the way that the character creation process works in that where it's if I if I remember correctly you kind of just 
lists some traits about your character um, it's, that kind of. It's usually a questionnaire. Like they, yeah, it's like a questionnaire thing, and you just have like what what's your what's your character's goal? What's your what's your character? What is your character good at? What's something that your character is attached to? You know, however they want to word it, but it's a it's a really interesting way to get you thinking. And I think especially in that game that I mentioned that I played earlier this year, where I made a character that was very driven, very goal oriented, that was very much let's just mm-hmm. get this job done uh that really controlled the uh the campaign there uh and was similar to with the zombie game where i had i had the character almost fully fleshed out before i even started playing yeah i i do not dig dread but i do like the the character process of of kind of pulling out those threads of what the character could be or might be uh dread itself uh, I find uh, is is a game where y- you role play a little bit and then get really nervous about Jenga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that the the nervousness translates into the narrative in the way that a a and D game can at times. Well, and there's always the potential for screwing up at the dumbest time just because you're bad at Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> But what I do like about that whole conversation there is there is no reason not to bring things you like from one system into the system mm. you, want, you run, which I have been known to do, and I have been in games where other people have done that, and I think that's awesome. I would I talk agree. about my D&D memories, but my memory is terrible. <laughs> that's kind of the problem. That's kind of the problem I'm having. I'm more like remembering, oh, I really enjoyed that game. I can't remember any specific yeah. reason why, but I had a good time. Well, I have a memory that uh, in uh, Megan and Sarah were both in. So I'm going to speak for all three of us. Uh, <laughs> he has, has a better memory than us. <laughs> that's fine. So. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, my return to the game and kind of exploring what I wanted the game to do for me and, and, and running the game different ways. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things that I so I took like a nine year break from gaming uh, uh, from uh, Dungeons and or Dragons. And um, I uh, when I when I came back, I started thinking of it differently. And I think maybe that's a product of age or maybe not um uh maybe it was just i was trying to find what i enjoyed so much about the game as a kid and when i was kind of digging through that i ran uh two very different games to try to try to figure out exactly what i wanted out of this and one of those games was with uh megan and sarah and in that game i um i handled all of the numbers behind the screen uh, even their character sheets I had behind the screen. So they didn't even know how many hit points they had. They would know if they were strong. They wouldn't know what their strength score was or what bonus to hit they were getting. They know they would hit something. They would still, um, I, I think I would. they could roll there to hit dice, but maybe not. I think I was rolling all the dice. So I was, I was doing it in this kind of like, you just talk to me as a narrative and I'll handle all the math. Um, and then I ran another game uh, this was not with uh, Megan and Sarah, where I rolled all the dice out in the open, and I would even roll the monster's hit die 
and then put the little I had some tiny dice that I was rolling the hit dice with and I would put the little die next to the miniature almost like a hit point counter that traveled around with the miniature um, and what I discovered was the amount of immersion gained by removing all the uh, was not that much. Uh, I mean, and, and it was more immersive uh, overall, but I don't think it was it was uh, it was worth the amount of work to hide all the numbers. Comparatively, the amount of immersion lost by putting all the numbers in front was less than the amount of immersion gained by hiding them. We all know we're playing a game and there's math involved. You know, there's no reason to hide that. Um, so I've, I found this a really interesting thought experiment. And at this point, uh, when I run games, all the numbers are laid bare. I tell everybody what the numbers are. Uh, typically I roll the hit dice of the monster right in front of everybody. Uh, the first time it gets damaged. So, um, I don't even know what the hit points will be until somebody swings a sword at it. I have absolutely no memory of that game. <laughs> like you would think that would be something that I would remember, but I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Which might speak to your point that maybe it wasn't that immersive. I don't know. Or maybe it was so immersive I just lost myself in it. I don't know. I don't remember. It was I so immersive go. you think it actually happened. Tell me, Sarah, do you have a real life memory of of protecting a city from an evil ogre who actually ended up being in cahoots with the city's lord? That sounds familiar. No. Yeah, okay. That's no, idea. no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that specific game, but I do remember playing a game where most of the numbers were hidden. Um, like I do remember playing that way and enjoying it. Like I liked that play style. Um, but I've definitely played it where you rolled all the dice up front and I I'm with you. I didn't feel like it was significantly less immersive or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways it has its own way of adding to the immersion by getting the conversation about the numbers out of the way as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think what happens, and I've talked about this on various shows, maybe this show, I don't know, but I think what happens is when you try to hide the numbers, there's this meta game that starts to get played of like, let's figure out what the number is there. Yeah. Uh, I rolled this to hit and miss, and I rolled this to hit and hit. So it's somewhere between this and this that the armor class is. That so there's all of this, you know, completely rules focused conversation happening around the table. Where if you just said, hey, their armor class is 13, that's what you need to hit. Go for it. Uh, you know, it would be out of the way. Yeah, and it also go ahead. I was just going to say it also benefits new players mm -hmm. because, it, you know, veteran players will come to learn some of those stats just through natural play um, as far as at least a ballpark, depending on if you're a DM that that adjusts some of those stats. But they will have an idea that an orc is generally stronger than a goblin, but a new player may not know that right off the bat. So having that discussion up front or giving that that information that the character in the world would understand I don't I don't disclose hit points but I also don't roll all my hit points the same like if I have multiple 3d8 hit point characters 
I roll 3d8 for each of those characters. So I might have one with three hit points. Um, Mm -hmm. But I always try to describe him as maybe being a lot smaller than the rest or a lot bigger than the rest kind of thing to give people Mm -hmm. the idea that they're not all all the same. Um, Just because a human is going to roll different depending on who they are and and all of that you know you're you're going in as pcs with different ones i do and and most of this is because of the the luck mechanism in dcc i do let people know armor class especially if they roll close to it so they can burn luck if mm-hmm. they want in order to to go ahead so they do kind of know armor class usually fairly early but hit points i don't disclose just because it's kind of it's kind of fun to, to you know kind of play that out as hey this one's really looking strong and this one's really kind of a runt and and they can make decisions on which one to go after because of those reasons too yeah hip points is the one i'm i'm still on the fence uh about and, and these days i'm rolling it uh as they get hit and letting everybody know but i'm rolling it in front of them so there's this kind of tense yeah. moment where like you know you swing the sword at the orc and you go yeah i'm gonna really get this orc i rolled six damage and then i roll its hit die and maybe that six damage was enough to kill it maybe not maybe it's still in the game and that's kind of like that that narrative moment where somebody thinks they really got somebody and they're 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 uh you know i don't know it's a a biker bar fight and they they punch the guy in the gut and he doesn't even seem phased you're like oh this guy's tougher than we thought yeah it's uh, that equivalent of that guy doubling over and you're like yeah got him and then he stands up straight and just like yeah that that really didn't do much (laughs) yeah yeah but then you uh i do i do roll all of my dice in the open though like i don't hide anything behind the screen yeah, as far yeah, as the, the hit points I determine ahead of time. Yeah, that's that's the the better way to do it. That's the prepared, responsible uh, <laughs> game masters. But I, um, I am I am better at that some days than others. <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> I, will, I will fully admit to that. <laughs> so one other memory that stands out to me, I believe, involved no dice at all. Maybe some dice. I can't really remember. But it was a a game with me, Dad, and Conley, who's my nephew. And Conley was DMing. Um, and it was when he was uh, very, very new to the idea of DMing. He didn't really have any specific game he was running um he was basically story as it went along and i remember there was a section in that game where it was my dad's characters sitting around a campfire with conley as one of the npcs and we spent a good 15 minutes just having a conversation in this world with conley as the npc and just messing with him just giving him the hardest time um and i really remember that <laughs> like i really just vividly remember like dad just made jokes that went over conley's head the entire time and it was just it was a good time i don't really remember what the campaign was or what our goal was supposed to be but i remember sitting around that campfire and just messing with conley um which was a, that's a great that's a great way to break in a new dm <laughs> poor kid <laughs> so mean <laughs> but there's something about there's something about 
role playing and D and D that you know. For me, I think it's so fascinating that there's these really bombastic encounters and 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 crazy, um, you know, uh, rolling a twenty versus rolling a one kind of experiences, and then there's the the experience of yeah, we just sat around a campfire and talked for like fifteen minutes, and that was a great time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one of the recent, more recent games that I ran, I say more recent, I think it was the beginning of 2018. Um, I had tried <laughs> to um, begin a campaign um, at our at our local game store, and we were on. I had run the first session, which was a module ran from a book, and then um, and that was the funnel. Which in DCC, there's a funnel where you start as level zeros, and you you then after that funnel, you have your characters and you level up and become a class. And the second, the second. Um, game of that there was not a single combat we spent four hours exploring the town we were in finding out their story um and that was there was there was no no need to like, there were chances i think of encounters but they didn't they didn't go for any of them which i'm always proud when that happened when it when people seek other ways than just by combat and those are oftentimes my favorite games is when that combat just doesn't happen that is the only way I play, which is how I went through one of your campaigns without initiating any combat. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing is, is, there are times that I are and times that I don't. There's obviously going to be times where it doesn't matter what you do, that monster's going to come after you one way or another. So, and you know, a lot of times it's just the, the way it is. But if there's a way and I can see that they're formulating a plan and all of that... I definitely reward that with giving them, hopefully, hopefully what is a decent encounter without there being combat. Yeah, this is slightly off topic, but I was playing uh, Gemini Rue, which is a, a point-and-click video game earlier today, and there is an encounter there that I was trying really hard to not initiate a combat sequence afterwards, and then I looked it up, and there's no way to end that encounter without combat. I was very upset. Um, I worked really hard to not have to fight people and then I ended up having to fight people no matter what. So I like, I like the option to not fight. That's a, that's a testament to the agency that, that you expect out of, out of games because you play role-playing games so much that you're just like, I should be able to do anything I want. Yeah. Computer. Why can't you pre-program every single possible outcome? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the big reason I didn't want to do combat is because the combat in this game wasn't very good. <laughs> it was the weakest part of the game, for sure. <laughs> mm. Well, as you all know, I'm not crazy about 5e. But they do have some cool magic items. Um, I'm playing in a campaign with Kier, and... Um, Kindly got a cloak of many patches, and the patches have little pictures drawn on them. And when you t- you guess what the picture is, to tear it off, and and maybe you guessed right, maybe you guessed wrong, because the pictures aren't that good, but you get something. <laughs> so there was one that uh, looked like a ladder, and he tore it off, and it was a ladder, so we could get up to a second-story window. And then I found this magic item. A jug of many corks, or a jug of seven corks, I think, or nine. I have it written down somewhere. But there's a weird-looking jug with a bunch of spots and corks. And each, uh, you you get to guess what it might be. 
and pull a cork and if it is in there then you can pour that out like oil or honey so far I got honey um, I'm assuming there'll be oil cooking oil you know or burning oil but that's that's a cool magic item seven you carry it with you and you have seven different liquids once you figure out what they all are all right Carl you still here I'm still here do okay. you have do you have one more memory to finish us off sure all right yeah <laughs> when um, been saving the, the best one, one the best one uh you know uh, <laughs> no so, pressure um yes this is a memory and an announcement sort of kind of no i'd say it's an announcement all right so um uh when connor was four uh, my son Connor, who's six now, he was four, uh, and uh, that would have made Emily uh, seven. Um, we we talked about and started recording um, something called I was calling Stay at Home Dungeon Master. Um, Stay at Home Dungeon Master uh, was a idea for a podcast where I would play D and D. With my kids, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I homeschool my two children, uh, and we all like Dungeons and Dragons. And so we decided while we're here at home and doing our schooling and our learning and all that, we could also play. Uh, we've recorded um, five or so episodes, but we never released them. Uh, so what I would like to do is release those. Uh, on this stream uh, so it would go out as episodes of Related to Geeks uh, with the subtitle Stay at Home Dungeon Master or something along those lines um, and uh, they're uh, recorded audio of me and my two children playing various versions of Dungeons and Dragons cool and uh, the, the memory I have uh, from them that I want to talk about is um uh just sitting up a little microphone uh in 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 a in a, a small room in our house to try to get the best audio we could and uh uh saying to my kids do you want to play dungeons and dragons and then both just yelling yeah! like just can and in, in, into the microphone um and just uh, uh, having a lovely time with them playing. And I, I, I won't talk too much more about it because I would like to release the audio on the show here. Great. And no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I think um, that's one of the best podcast ideas that I've ever heard. Um, I just love the whole concept. Um it's just so um, nice. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A dad and his kids and them having a good time and playing a game. It's great. Mm -hmm. Sounds like us. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't do a podcast. <laughs> Back in 1980, 90, whatever. <laughs> The year of our Lord, 80, 90, whatever. 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> I was going to say 88, 89, and I thought, well, no, it may have been rather closer to 90-something. So. <laughs> For me, it was 92. That's when we started. I know. So I was, I was two. <laughs> <laughs> First D&D experience, two years old. I had a blast. It was a great time. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps us up for tonight. Uh, anything else to add? Anything we're forgetting? Any memories that you remembered that you didn't remember earlier? My memory has not gotten any better. Yeah, that's the same <laughs> where I am. All right, well, we're going to thank y'all so much for listening to this podcast. Um, we'll be back at Tinker's Tavern on the first Monday in January in 2020. Well, we'll have that 2020 vision. Ha! Good job, Megan. Uh, uh, I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you have been listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, recorded December 2nd, 2019 on the Gamer Plus Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat held at Tanker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers at gamerplus.org. The music for this show is Kaleidoscope of Butterflies by Harry Lurie, played by NJHB at New Jazz in Jonesville.